0: Hi there, everyone. I trust that you're enjoying this series as I am the Family Life Boosters. And today we're going to be focused on understanding the fears that fathers face, understanding fears that fathers face. And happy Father's Day to you. Father, we thank you for this revelation. We thank you for what you want to impart to us today. We open our hearts to you and we ask that you would minister from your Father heart to our hearts and that you transform how we see this thing called Father. In Jesus' name we pray and the people of God said, Amen. Now, I know that when it comes to Father's Day, for some people, it's a really happy day. For other people, it's a bit of a sore point. And I want to encourage you, you can turn your bitterness into bitterness, okay? You can turn your pain into progress. And if you're that person where you've been abandoned by your father, where maybe your father passed on and you're feeling really sad about it, try to use that situation to the glory of God okay use it for something positive something powerful for example you could be praying today and saying lord may you show me the gaps that my father left right and then when you know those gaps you know how to actually pray accurate prayers lord may you do a deep work in my heart so i may forgive my father and then something good comes out of this but i believe that this message is for everyone are you ready are you steady let's get going you see, in order to truly understand someone, we need to understand their fears. One of the coaching questions I love asking people is of what are you afraid? You can't truly understand someone if you don't understand their fears and often when you see that someone's behavior is fear-driven you're not as intimidated by them have you noticed that because you understand it's coming from a wound it's coming from a certain place they're not doing it to me they're doing it because of their own issues you understand where the apparent aggression is actually coming from you begin to empathize with them and you're able to minister to their wounds some men are called to restore. Some wives are called to restore. Some children are called to restore. And as I share with you on the fears father's face, I'm trusting that maybe you might be that person who restores healing to that father figure in your life. You see, you begin to empathize with them when you understand where the fear is actually coming from. We live in a society where men in general and fathers in particular are not allowed to be too afraid. Have you noticed that? They're not allowed to be too afraid. So a lot of men today are internalizing their stress. They're internalizing their anxiety. They're internalizing their fears. And they're trapped and they're wounded by these things. And they begin to act it out. I like 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. The Bible says, this is Paul, and he's talking about the thorn in the flesh. But he said to me, talking about God, My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is such a powerful scripture. Therefore, I will boast more about my weaknesses. When last did you boast about your weaknesses? So that Christ's power may rest on me. This is so important. You see, this is the technology of spiritual strength, which I've preached on before. We experience God's strength to the degree to which we are willing to acknowledge our weaknesses. And I want to challenge fathers out there. Acknowledge your weakness. It's okay to be weak. You see, men have been socialized into internalizing their stress and never talking about it. Okay, And as a result, a lot of men today are causing harm to themselves, their own health, But they're also causing harm to those around them, their loved ones, because they're overcompensating for their fears. You see, when you're afraid as a person, you mask that fear. But like I always say, whatever you resist will persist. If I want to experience God's perfect power, I need to acknowledge my weakness. I need to acknowledge my weakness. You see, often this silence that men go through, this silence actually alienates them from their loved ones. It alienates you from your loved ones, right? And it comes out in other ways. It's time for people to realize that there's what we call the fragile nature of the masculine ego. A lot of that strength you see on the outside is just a mask very often. There's the fragile nature of the masculine ego and we need to minister to that. We need to minister to that. In Christian circles, many people get into unbiblical coping mechanisms. For example, hyperfaith or even forms of metaphysics where they think that stating your fear is a sign of uh, lack of faith or it's agreeing with the enemy, right? So you greet them and you ask these people, hey, how are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored, my brother. But I can see the person is acting out their fear in other ways, and I want to know where you're really at. Yes, you can make a faith statement so that God has the last word, and that's important, but I also want to know what your journey has been. You know, every single person who came to Jesus for healing, where Jesus said, what's wrong with you? What's the problem? What do you want me to do for you? They acknowledged the problem, and then they said, I believe you can heal me, right? They made that faith statement, but don't be in denial, Don't think to yourself, if I just talk about my conditions, then it means that it will get worse. No, make sure God has the final say, but be willing to actually acknowledge where you're at. And many men are not willing to do so today. It's so important to understand your emotions, particularly fear. So important to understand your emotions because your emotions send messages to you. So if I want to truly understand you, right, it's important for me to understand what you're afraid of, because I can then ask you the question, hey, what mindset is behind that fear? What's the stinking thinking behind your emotional state? Someone once said that the only fear that babies have when they're born is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All other fears are learned. So I wanna know in that father figure, in that man, How did he learn that particular fear? Where does it come from? Then I can really minister to him. It's so important to understand that our emotions send messages to us. And I'm not talking about emotionalism here. I'm talking about emotional self-awareness. So we need to be able to really explore where is that particular fear coming from? And we need to displace it with God's truth. You see, and we can't do that if we're in denial. It's important to understand that. Denial is a long river in Egypt. It doesn't belong in you, all right? And uh, so we must be able to, especially as men, I want to challenge the men here, I want to challenge the fathers. We must be able to talk about our fears and then let God have the last word. So many men today, particularly fathers, are trying to be so strong for their families. And sometimes their adult children or even their teenage children can see through it. And they're like, dad, if there's no money, just tell me. Dad, if I'm supposed to change schools, just let me know. I'm not a kid anymore. And that's where the true connection comes, where you can make yourself vulnerable. We must be able to talk about our fears. We must be able to say, I am feeling afraid that my children will abandon me by seeing me as irrelevant in their lives. Okay, able to say that. But I know that God is for me and not against me. These are the fears we must be able to talk about as fathers. In this message, I'm going to unpack some of the major fears that fathers face today. And I want to highlight that. If you look at the top 10 fears that men face and the top 10 fears that women face, the order and ranking are not the same. I know we live in a society today that just likes to emphasize that, hey, all our issues are the same. No, they're not the same. And I want to talk about some of the unique fears that fathers actually have. And I'm just going to literally highlight three, but there's are sub fears that come through that are linked to those particular three fears. Okay, we're also going to talk about how these fathers tend to overcompensate as a result of that fear in order to cope with life. And I want to show you how you can actually spot the overcompensation. And then we're going to look at some biblical wisdom in how they should actually live out their lives. Instead of being in fear, instead of masking the fear, but biblical wisdom in terms of what they should actually do as they apply the word of God. And then uh, what those around them, those of us who are around these father figures, what we can do to minister to these insecurities. You see, when you're in a family setting, you keep thinking, father must minister to me, father must minister to me. But I'm telling you, sometimes as a child, you're also called to restore something in your father. As a wife of that particular father, you're supposed to restore certain things. And I want to show you how not to enable the fear, but how to actually minister to that particular father figure. You see, there are literally hundreds of scriptures instructing us not to fear. But what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of these scriptures actually apply to fathers. It was actually God speaking to people who were fathers and saying, do not fear. And when we see these scriptures, and I'll read a few of them to you just now, when we see them in scripture, it's amazing because it actually shows me that um, these men, great men of war, actually struggled with fear so why is it so foreign to us nowadays why do we have this concept of cowboys can't cry okay let's have a look at genesis chapter 26 verse 24 that night the lord appeared to him and said i am the lord the god of your father abraham do not be afraid for i am with you i will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant abraham okay Genesis 46, verse 3. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid. Go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. Numbers 21, verse 34. The Lord said to Moses, Do not be afraid of him, for I have delivered him into your hands, along with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sihon king of the Amorites who reigned in Heshbon. Deuteronomy 1 verse 21 and then verse 29 to 31. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why would God be saying this to people who weren't already about to be afraid? Okay, Deuteronomy 20 verse 1. When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. Okay? Proverbs 3:24-26. When you lie down you will not be afraid. When you lie down you will your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster. That's a big fear a lot of fathers have, sudden disaster, or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked. For the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. So his strength is perfected in our weakness, but we have to acknowledge our weakness. We have to be able to say, God, as a father, I'm afraid. How can God minister his strength to you if you can't acknowledge your weakness These great men of God needed to hear God's voice saying, do not be afraid. I am with you. You see, it is infantile thinking when we come up with this mindset of, I don't need help. I'm never afraid. You can't help your child with their homework if they keep pretending to know what they're doing. I don't know if your kids are like my kids, but sometimes they do that. It's like they half want help. They half don't want help. Often they'll ask my wife for help and then she starts to help them. And I hear her saying at a certain point, do you really want me to help you? Because if you want me to help you, then you need to listen to me. But sometimes as fathers, we've become like that. We want God's help, but we're not willing to acknowledge our fears. Many men today are pretending that they have everything under control. And this hinders God from ministering to them his strength. This is so important to understand this. One of the ways of short-circuiting God's anointing in your life is not being dependent on him, trying to do things in your own strength. You see, when fathers are more open about their fears and they become vulnerable, it becomes easier to talk through it with them. You see, if you look at the science of likability, right, why we like certain people, Right. We like you more when you make yourself vulnerable, when people look to you as a leader in your household, for example, they're not looking for perfection. They don't want to see perfection. What they want to hear you saying is me too, me too, me too. They're looking for identification. That's what they're looking for. Your children need to see you fail, not just succeed. A lot of people don't understand that your children need to see you fail, not just succeed. They need to see how does how does dad bounce back from failure? Because that's what they will experience. You see, someone once said the best teacher is failure, but the best type of failure to learn from is other people's failure, someone else's failure, all right? And fathers need to see that there's a difference between emotionalism and emotional self-awareness. Just saying, I'm really disappointed with myself, I'm really upset because this and this happened, that is not emotionalism. That is emotional self-awareness. And you showing your children that it's okay to mess up from time to time. Just don't keep repeating the same mistakes. It's okay to fail from time to time. But this is what you do to bounce back. You are modeling that to them. And as I take you through the fears that fathers face today, keep asking yourself, what can you do to minister into this area? Right? Uh, it could be to your own father. It could be fathers around you. Right? If you're a wife or a child, Right. Just keep asking yourself that question. What can I do to minister into this area? Remember also that these fears have sub-fears that are linked to them. The first one I wanna look at is the fear of failing to provide. This is a big fear that fathers face today. You need to ask yourself, fathers today, what do my kids need from me that only I can give them? What do my kids need from me that only I can give them? Are you focusing on the right things or are you putting yourself under lots of pressure? Do the goalposts around you keep shifting where you keep raising the bar in terms of provision and what's needed? Are you continuously trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? Or with the Kumalos, whoever it is. Decide what you think is the basic responsibility of a father with regards to provision. And here I'm talking about material provision, okay? And if this is not clear, you will always find yourself feeling guilty and never good enough, okay? The demands will keep coming, and because you've got this blank slate, right, no opinion of yourself, what ends up happening is you continuously feel overstretched. And I want to encourage you, those of you who are wives to these fathers, ask them, how are you feeling? Are you under pressure? Because often they hide it because they don't want you to worry. But just ask them. Some of them might actually just break down and say, yes, I didn't want you guys to know the pressure I was feeling, right, in terms of provision, right? There are a lot of pressures when it comes to comparison. That's a big one. And it affects you and affects this um, level of fear that you experience, the fear of failing to provide. Through comparison happens a lot. Perhaps your children are at expensive private schools and they're surrounded by wealthy people. Their standards are continuously on the rise and they constantly uh, feel like they are failing because they haven't got enough all right, or what other people have, and then you feel like you're failing, and you, you want your kids to always fit in, all right, not to feel rejected, and you overcompensate for them, all right, uh, be careful of that. You need to know what are the basics that I need to be providing for, and you need to teach your family contentment. It's such an important principle, you see. Sometimes you have kids who are happy when they get something until they see what other people have, And then they're not grateful for it. And they throw it away and they say, it's not the right brand. I remember one child who did this years ago. All right. Parents got them something. It was a cricket bat. They go to school. They come back and they were happy with that cricket bat. They come back and they just throw it to the ground saying, it's a fake. All right. Because they've heard their counterparts saying that. So they're happy when they get something from you. And then they're sad when they compare with other people. Ask God, what does he expect of me? And then let God be the, be the judge of that. That's actually what the, the name Daniel means. God is my judge. Let God be your judge, you see. And children, be careful of developing an entitlement mentality. So many kids today feel entitled. You're not entitled to expensive birthday presents. A birthday present isn't your right. It's a gift. It's a gift that you're given. Right, and I want to say something else. This year doesn't have to be the same as last year because things change. Just because you had a fancy holiday last year doesn't mean a fancy holiday every year. Okay, and I think the pressure a lot of fathers face today is um, they do something nice for their family, and at a certain point, uh, it's no longer appreciated. It's seen as this is our right. This is the new normal. Right. <laughs> Family members, let your desires be known, okay, to your parents, right? Let your fathers know what your desires are, but make sure you communicate appreciation for the basics that your father and obviously mother, but I'm emphasizing father today because it's Father's Day, right? The basics that they've provided for you. You see, we live in a world that's largely controlled by the spirit of mammon. Mammon is that demonic entity, that demonic principality that literally controls and regulates how the world spends money, how the world views money, you see. And sadly, our daily mood is regulated by whether we have the latest iPhone model or uh, by the size of our house or the speed of our car. And in addition to this, our wives... And our kids continuously have new things on their wish lists. I think a lot of fathers in homes find that, right? And many times, uh, as fathers, you don't see a need for those particular things in the same way that your wives don't see a need for those new toys you wanna get, you know, a faster car, a new gadget, right? Now, all of this is happening while you're actually earning more money, right? For many of you, you're earning more money than you used to, but you feel under a lot more pressure. And then the fear of failing to provide kicks in. This is something a lot of fathers are struggling with today. There's a philosopher, Arthur uh, Schopenhauer, and he said, Wealth is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. Watch out for that, because that's how mammon works. Wealth is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. Fathers must learn to be contented achievers contented achievers. This is so important. I've got a book in my library, actually, uh, with that particular title. You see, there's nothing wrong with desiring to achieve greatness, but do it from a place of contentment where you know that Christ is enough for me. I'm complete in Christ. You see, uh, a lot of fathers think, if I just earn a little more, if I just buy a little more for my family, then they will respect me. But this is actually a myth, right? In fact, it's a misbelief. Often, your family is actually looking for other things. Newsflash. There are many millionaires today who are not respected by their children. There are billionaires today who are not respected by their children. Yes, when your kids were young, material things would make a difference. Oh, I've got a new toy. Oh, I've got a new this or new that. But the thing is, as they get older, they're looking for other things. As they become more mature, they're looking for other types of provision, So i want to shift gears now from just material provision to other types of things. In fact, sometimes they look and they think, you know what? This is just a frivolous attempt for my dad to get me to respect him or to like him more. I actually don't need that. I just want time with him. You see, even for your wife, the very thing she used to admire, is now the thing she dreads the most because that's the thing that takes you away from home. That's what a lot of men are struggling with today because their wives were drawn to them because they were ambitious and they wanted to build some kind of empire. But now they're addicted to that success and now they're running after that thing so that they get respected more by the people around them and by their family members. And now the very thing that she loved about you, she now loathes. Because that's the very thing that's taking you away from family. And you've become addicted to it. And you're chasing this phantom that if I just make an extra million, then they'll respect me. But they don't. They don't. In fact, they respect you less because you've become silent and you've alienated yourself from them. So I remember some time ago, there's a guy I was coaching And he shared with me an interesting story that just shows you that as men, we don't like this. As fathers, we don't like this. okay? And he shared with me and he said, Paul, you know what? With my first wife, it was really difficult because when I had lots of money, I was a hero. And when I then lost that money, I became a zero. And then when I regained the money, I was a hero again. And it's really tough. For a lot of men in these situations, because then they feel that they are loved conditionally, that it's, a, it's love with the hook, it's love that's conditional. And so it's interesting to me because despite the fact that these fathers don't like this, they still keep pursuing mammon, they keep uh, pursuing uh, wealth. And there's nothing wrong with becoming wealthy, but it shouldn't be wealth as an end in itself. It's prosperity with a purpose. And that's where a lot of people get it wrong. You see, if I, just, if I just make that extra million, then they'll respect me. If I just do this extra bit, then they will respect me. And it's actually not the case, all right? So we hate it as men, right? Because we're feeling this adoration has become so conditional. Now, my question to you is Are you going to embrace the virtue of contentment or continue to be driven by mammon? Think about it. And remember, mammon is that demonic entity that controls and regulates the, the world system of finance, okay? Worldly pursuit of money, it controls how it's spent, how, um, how we fear lack very often, okay? Materialism. You know, there was a friend of mine, he's now about 51, he's in his early 50s, but about 10 or 11 years ago when he turned 40, he shared with me an interesting experience. He said, Paul, I received so many lovely birthday presents, but to be honest with you, the best gift I got was from God and was the gift of contentment, the gift of contentment. And I thought to myself, that is so powerful. I've got a book actually in my bookshelf entitled The Contented, achiever. It's so important as believers to uh, desire to achieve greatness. There's nothing wrong with that, but to do it from a place of contentment. Is Christ enough for you? Is your sufficiency in Christ Jesus? Or do you have to keep attaching other labels to yourself? Okay. And we need to teach our children contentment because if not, we will live our lives bound by the fear of lack. Have a look at Philippians chapter four, verses 11 through to 13. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And very often we quote this scripture, but we forget about the context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not just about doing great exploits. It's also about being able to cope in difficult times. You see, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can cope in any circumstance. I'm still full of joy, even if my bank balance is in the red. I'm still full of joy, even if my clients have said, we don't want to do business with you anymore. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is so important. If you're a father and you're feeling this pressure, it's important for you to actually claim the scripture. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verses 6 through to 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You see, are you covering the basics? Do you have food? Do you have clothing? Be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Um... And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This has happened. I've seen it happening to people where they're on fire for Jesus when they want a breakthrough. When they get the breakthrough, they literally wander from the faith. It doesn't say they suddenly leave the faith. They wander from the faith. They're pierced with many griefs. We need to watch out for this, okay? Godliness with contentment is great gain. What do you see as gain in your life? I want to encourage you, trust God as your source. Author Rob Cobain states, the Bible calls us to allow our convictions, not our circumstances, to govern our sense of contentment. True biblical contentment is a conviction that Christ's power, purpose, and provision is sufficient for every circumstance. We are to learn how to walk through all kinds of adversity, believing in and experiencing Christ's sufficiency. We have to choose to rest on God's good promises, despite what may be going on in our lives. Isn't that so true? And what I've seen is that this fear of failing to provide is why a lot of fathers are bound by the fear of becoming incapacitated, the fear of becoming incapacitated. You see, their fear is not to do with themselves very often, but it's often directly linked to feeling helpless to assist their dependents. So important. Okay. I remember speaking to someone just the other day, because this also applies to to females but tends to apply to men more than women according to the research that has been carried out. The fear of being incapacitated, fear of getting brain damage and you can't provide for your family anymore, you see. And um, their, their question is, what will happen to my family if an accident takes place and I end up having brain damage? That's a question a lot of fathers have today. And on a practical level, I wanna say this, This is why it's important sometimes to take out life assurance, okay? Especially for disability or chronic illness, okay? It's important to do those kinds of things. It doesn't mean you lack faith. Right. It just actually helps you with that particular fear because you know that, okay, at least they'll be covered if something goes wrong. And it's also an acknowledgement that bad things happen to good people. They're people who pray more than you, people with more faith, people who've walked in more integrity, who've had certain things happen to them and they can't explain it. They can't explain it, and you can't explain it, all right? Um, So let's just be aware of those kinds of things. If we are fathers, what is causing me this fear, this fear of being incapacitated? Trust God, but also do what you can on a practical level. One of the other things that fathers are called to do is to provide protection, isn't it? That's one of the areas of provision, providing protection for your family. And one of the major fears fathers face today is, I cannot protect my family. I cannot protect them. I cannot protect them from crime. I cannot protect them from sexual predators. It's a big fear and they often blame themselves when something goes wrong. They don't understand that sometimes when crime takes place, you're actually the main target as the father in that particular family because you're the biggest threat to the criminal. So you are at risk, right? Uh, very often more so than some of the other people around you. But this is the reason why a lot of people immigrate, okay? And sometimes you can understand where they're coming from. They're saying, Paul, this is a big responsibility for me. I don't know if in the country that I'm living in right now, I can really protect my family, okay? I want to encourage you um, to read a very powerful scripture as a result of this. I want to encourage you to go to the book of Psalms and use Psalm 112 regularly as you pray over your house. I love to pray this uh, prayer when uh, people invite me to their homes and they're saying, you know, we've got a new home. Can you pray over us? Just look at verses six to seven from Psalm 112. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Some translations say they will not fear evil tidings. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. A lot of fathers today fear bad news. They avoid their phones. When the phone rings, they just know it's something bad, okay? But the blessing from the Lord, the blessing on the righteous is that you will not fear bad news. I think it's so powerful, such a powerful uh, passage of scripture to read, and I encourage you to use it. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Do you know what fathers are called to provide? Do you know the difference between what a mother is to give and what a father is to give? This is quite important. One of the fears fathers face today is the fear of feminization, right? This is where they are judged based on how well they mother, not how well they father, because there's a difference. And I know that we are living in an androgynous society that tries to say, hey, you know what? Let's push this agenda where there's no difference between men and women. There's no difference between fathers and mothers. Just do whatever roles you want to do. And while there's a place for us mixing up the roles and deciding who's going to do what, there's a way God created us. And there's certain things that come easier to a lot of women because of the hormonal structure and because of how God has wired them. There are times when my wife will actually say to me, my love, I think this one needs the voice of the father. There are things in parenting that stress her out that aren't stressful for me right, especially when it pertains to the, the discipline side of things, disciplining the kids, right, there are times you'll say to me, this needs the voice of the father, it's important to understand this, it's important to understand this, and sometimes you'll find that a lot of moms are trying to be superwoman, when in actual fact, there's certain things they should be saying, you know what, dad, you're the one who's supposed to be doing this, you're supposed to be doing that, right. Um, There's a lot of haziness in our society and in our culture today in terms of what exactly am I supposed to be doing as a father? Because I'm struggling with this particular thing, maybe I'm thinking I'm a bad father. But when you look at it, you actually see that, wait a minute, your kids don't need that from you. They need the other thing. And we need to be clear about what these particular things are. Look at scripture, study scripture. What's a father to do? What's a mother to do? I'm not talking about surface level roles, okay? I'm not even talking about things like cooking and so on because the fact of the matter is there are a lot of men who are good cooks, right? And there are a lot of women who are bad cooks, right? So I'm not talking about those kinds of things, right? There was a time when my son, Samuel, my firstborn, some years ago, he had a soccer match and uh, I had to be speaking to some entrepreneurs doing a particular seminar, and it was my wife who was going to be going with him to, to, to watch him. And he said, Dad, how come you're not coming to watch me play, right? And it's just mom. So there's something he needed from me. I said, oh, I have to speak to these entrepreneurs and so on. He said, Dad, can't someone else speak to them so that you can come to my soccer? Now, what was Samuel communicating? He was communicating, I only have one father. And there was something he was looking for in me that he wasn't going to find in his mom. OK, there was something you was looking for in me. And it's so important that if your father is no longer there, children, if um, maybe there's, there's been abandonment, maybe there's been a death. It's important to understand what are the gaps, where are the gaps? And that's what you then trust God for, because God will cover you. God will fill that particular gap. But it's important to first know what the gap is. All right. Very important. You know, um, what do your kids need from you that only you as a father can give them. It's important to understand what that is, okay? In addition to this, it's important to understand that the dynamics of the role you play are also affected by the gender of your child. There are things that fathers can give to their daughters. There are things that mothers can give to their sons. Read up on this and study it. There are things my wife can say about the appearance of my sons that will minister to them right? In a way in which I can't minister to them, right? There are things fathers can say to their daughters. Fathers, when your daughter turns 12, 13, it's a very sensitive time for for her and she needs the voice of the father to be saying, you're my princess, you are beautiful. And if she doesn't get that from the voice of a father or a father figure, she might look for it elsewhere. We've seen that a lot of girls then look for it in guys or if they don't look for it in guys, uh, if they're smart in class, They look for that external validation from their teachers, right? And then they get addicted to the high marks because that's what gives them that validation, right? And some of them become workaholics later on in life because they're trying to please this boss and this boss. And you can see that the words of those male bosses weigh so heavily on them beyond the word of God. This is important to understand because as fathers, we are called to bring identity to our children. I can go deeper and deeper into this, but maybe it's for another day. But it's important to understand what you as a father in particular bring to your children and to play that particular role. Very, very crucial. You know, um, it doesn't cost you money. That's the thing. And it's something that you're providing. You know, I love you, son. I'm proud of you, son. You're amazing, my daughter. I know you can do it. That was amazing, those skills, those were amazing skills that you displayed in the game today. Hey, you know what, you're a hard worker and I'm proud of you for that. Yes, you might have messed up, but I know you'll bounce back, you always do. Are you providing those words of affirmation for your children and are they internalizing those words that you've provided? Are you generous with your words? Or are you stingy with your words? You see, giving your children a healthy identity and a healthy self-esteem is worth far more than any material gift that you would ever give them. The father is also called to provide loving discipline, you see. And when you do so, you're showing your children that there are consequences to their behavior, but they feel loved because of the discipline. Are you providing that? So provision, yes, is material, but provision is also emotional. It's also to do with psychosocial factors. It's to do with identity. It's something the Father provides. And God has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. He's given you what you need in order to provide for your family. The second fear I want to talk about is the fear of becoming insignificant. A sense of significance is that feeling of, I matter. When I walk into a room, my presence is felt. When I leave, they miss me. It's so important to reinforce this in our fathers today. You see, are you bound by the fear that you will soon become irrelevant in the lives of your kids? I'm telling you right now that a lot of fathers are bound by this fear. And you see, it's a big fear that a lot of fathers have, and sometimes it's based on lies. You see, when your kids were babies, as a father you might have felt insignificant because you didn't know how to connect with them. They couldn't talk. You didn't have the apparatus when it came to things like breastfeeding, right? You didn't have the apparatus. So you felt insignificant. And then as they grew older, you became the hero and became this thing of, you know what, dad can do anything. Dad can fix anything, right? So you went into that phase. And then what happened? As they grew older, you started feeling like a zero, Because what happens with children is they look to you and you're almost like godlike. then at a certain point it shifts to their peers. And they're now being influenced by their peers more, right? That's why you have to make sure that in that window period that you've got, that you've maximized on your influence, right? And now maybe they're comparing you with other parents, saying, but you know what, with my friend so-and-so, we went on a boat trip. Hey, with my friend's dad, he takes his kids fishing. And you start to feel inadequate, and many men are feeling that today. Sometimes because we're from a different generation, there's that sense of, I don't know how to connect with my children. I don't know all their lingo. All right. And sometimes you might even feel envious of your spouse because you see a connection she has with the children that you don't have. Maybe you feel like I'm caught between a rock and a hard, hard, hard place because I have to go and work. And I have to provide for my family. At the same time, I can't be with them as much as I would like. And it seems like my wife has more time with them, right? If you're in that type of setup or that type of family setup, okay? Um, And you see, often because we're from this different generation, we don't know how to connect with our children. So we start feeling irrelevant. We start feeling insignificant. Maybe they've chosen certain subjects that you're not good at. So you can't really help them with those particular things but is that what they're actually looking for you see and i want to encourage you very often we fail to see that there are a lot of needs right that can be met and because these needs are transgenerational we can actually meet those particular needs we might not speak the same lingo but we can still connect because they're looking for that remember god chose you to be their father right It's so important to understand this. Perhaps you are starting to feel insignificant. What are you doing to mask that? What are you doing to overcompensate for that? Maybe you were seen as Superman. Maybe you were seen as that dad who could fix anything. For some of you, maybe it's Father's Day, but you feel abandoned by your children. You don't know if they'll remember certain things. And when they do call you, you know they're just doing it out of being polite but you feel like they're disappointed in me. I'm not significant in their lives. Sometimes the fear of failing to provide stems from unfair comparisons that have been made, perhaps with their father-in-laws. A lot of men struggle with that also, you know? Maybe there's a mindset your wife has that all men must be good at DIY, and if you're not good at DIY, you must learn, but you're just still not good at DIY, all right? All right. Is that the main thing that is needed from you as a father? You see, sometimes we major on the minors. There's some people who are just good at delegating these things or getting a handyman to do it, but they feel like a failure because they can't fix things as well as maybe their father-in-law or maybe that uncle over there or maybe um, some of your kids' parents, your kids' friends' parents, all right? Provision is not just financial. and I've said this before. It's also recreational ability. And maybe you feel insignificant because you're not good at sport. You're not good at some uh, sporting extravaganzas or sporting expeditions. You're not as athletic. But you know what? You can still be involved. You can still provide the camaraderie. You can still be physically there for them, cheering them on. That's what they need from you. They don't need you to be as good as they are in the particular sport. Many fathers today feel inadequate because they're just not wired for some of these things. You see, so your sense of significance is so central to your self esteem. That sense of I matter, my presence is felt when I arrive, I'm missed when I leave. You see, and if you've got a father at home, make sure they don't feel indifference from you. Sometimes indifference is much worse than negative feedback, you see, much worse. People sometimes feel like, hey, you know what, I arrive home, my kids don't even notice me. Notice your fathers when they arrive home. Look up and just notice that that they're present. Show a sense of delight, smile, show that you're happy to see them, okay? And then if you don't stay with your fathers, maybe your father has abandoned you, maybe your father um, lives elsewhere, all right? communicate to them in a manner that makes them feel like you think about them when they're not there hey dad i was just thinking about that particular project of yours and this is what i was thinking hey dad this reminded me of you this is so important you see fathers fear that they will no longer add value to your life because you know everything know there's that stage where your kids become smarter than you right if you're a father and you're feeling that right now just remember that sometimes it's actually a sign of effective fathering right the goal is not for your children to be dependent on you forever be secure in who you are who you are in God and be glad that your children can now cope on their own all right? We don't want to create a dependency syndrome. We want to uh, develop our children so that they can stand on their own two feet and become responsible adults. You see, the fleshly tendency is to force your children to depend on you, isn't it? Right? Some parents force their advice on their adult children, but it's really their quest for a sense of significance. So make sure that the emotional bond between you and your kids is so strong... So that when they grow older they voluntarily come to you for wisdom right it's not something you're forcing okay um in how you relate to your father ask yourself what future story do i want to tell this is regardless of how they've been to you right how was i to them regardless of how they were to me right that's the future story you want to be able to tell if you're a wife What can you do to enable your children to minister a sense of significance to their father? One of the things I've uh, appreciated about my wife, she will do and she will say certain things that reinforce honor, right? So that my children honor me, right? And she hates it when they dishonor me. A deep fear that's linked to this fear is that they will lose the respect of their children. This is a biggie that a lot of fathers face. You know, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough for them. Many fathers today escape to places where they feel this admiration, right? Many fathers today alienate themselves from their families to the degree to which they feel insignificant and non-essential at home. Are you helping your fathers to feel like they're essential at home or do they feel non-essential? Think about that. You know, and sadly, it's often based on lies, isn't it? Lies from the enemy. Ah, oh, you don't make a difference here. Uh, you can just work an extra three hours. They won't even notice that you, that you are absent. Fathers, it's important to remember that you were chosen to be their dad by God himself. He knew what he was doing in the same way that he carefully made your children, right? He carefully designed them. They were fearfully and wonderfully made. He also carefully assigned them to you. you know that? He was careful. He thought through it that this is going to be their father. Your kids need how you are wired. Not your father, not your friends, but you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 in the ESV, it reads, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Isn't that powerful? When he says he's given us all things, that includes effective fathering, right? He's given you everything you need in order to be an effective father. You've been given it by the Lord. I think that's so powerful. The third fear that I want to talk about is the fear that they will never forgive me. This is a big one. When you've messed up as a father, there's this fear that your children will box you. They'll put you into a box and they'll believe that he will never change. Many fathers today remain absent and they remain distant physically and emotionally because of the shame of their past. They literally feel that when they interact with their children, it actually triggers that shame. The children might not be doing anything. Maybe the children will ignore them a bit. But it still triggers that sense of guilt and shame. You see, they have a deep-seated belief. And in many cases, it's actually a misbelief that they will never be given a second chance. That's the misbelief. I'll never be given a second chance by my children. I'll never be given a second chance by them. Okay. They believe that they've been put into a box despite some of the changes that they've actually made. And then they end up becoming worse. They become bitter. Because it's no longer about, hey, I messed up and I must go to God and change my life. It's now, huh, look what they've done to me. They've shunned me. If you're a father and you're facing this, I've got news for you today. God can fix that. God can actually fix that. Perhaps you feel like your life will never be meaningful because you cannot share your victories with those you love. So you actually experience some victory, but you don't share it with people because you're like, they won't believe me anyway. They'll think it's just another project I'm trying to do. If you have failed as a father, it's important to model apologizing to your children. Humble yourself and apologize for the pain that you have caused. This is so crucial, okay? Some fathers and bosses struggle to apologize. So they just start acting differently. You know those people, they want the reconciliation, but there's no confession, okay? They just start acting differently and thinking everything will go away, okay? Have the difficult conversation. If you look at Jesus' instructions around mending relationships, it often involved a courageous conversation. It often involved a difficult conversation. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter um, 5 verses 23 to 26. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. In other words, don't focus on the sacrifice. Focus on the reconciliation. A lot of fathers today are overcompensating. If I do this, then they'll respect me. If I do this, then they will forgive me, right? No, focus on the reconciliation. It says, first go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly and your advers- with your adversary, who is talking, who's taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. This passage actually shows something powerful. It shows the importance of reconciling quickly and not dragging things out, okay? It won't just happen by itself. Relationships are not built by themselves outside of courageous conversations being initiated. It's so important to understand that. So important to understand that. And remember that it often takes time to rebuild trust, okay, when trust has been eroded, right? And uh, this is not because time is powerful, okay? It's not just a matter of time, but it's to do with uh, what you do as an act of restitution or acts of restitution during that time period. You see, over time, some people actually become bitter, not better. right? So what will you do with the time you now have left? What will you do with the time you now have left? Make a decision to invest time in your children, as opposed to just spending time with them, or killing time with them, you know? I remember there was a time I was going to watch Samuel playing play cricket, and I was with Daniel in the car, and we were traveling uh, from St. Turin to Johannesburg, and I remember Daniel was talking so much, I remember thinking to myself, like, is he talking to himself? Is he now talking to me? And it was a bit irritating, and I was quite tired, and the Lord convicted me. And said, Paul, you know what? You're not going to just spend time with Daniel. Don't just spend time with him. All right? And don't just kill time with him. Invest time into him. Invest time into him. And it's a privilege for you to have these 40 minutes sitting in this car with Daniel. right? So important. Allow them to express their pain. Allow those children to express their pain without becoming defensive and without labeling them as disrespectful. Okay? Perhaps they've lost respect for you. Try to understand their pain. Try to understand why they're talking the way they're talking without becoming defensive. Don't make it about you. Hey, why are you talking like, to me like this? It's not the time to discipline them. It's your time to mend the relationship, okay? You see, often when people demand our forgiveness, we feel like they're minimizing our pain. So don't demand the forgiveness, you see? What's so powerful, and I'm going to give you the script you can actually say to your children, I'm talking about the estranged father, the father who's been absent, the father who needs to reconnect. Maybe you'll be able to say this, hey, I can't demand this forgiveness from you, but I'm asking that if you can find space in your heart for me again, please do. I know that it will be baby steps, but I'm willing to do whatever it takes to rebuild our relationship. And if you're not ready I completely understand. I will wait. Are you able to humble yourself and do that? Think of what the what the what um, Paul the Apostle actually went through when he got saved. Because there were people who were still afraid of him. There were people who were still afraid of him but he still focused on his calling. He still pursued God. He still pursued Jesus despite the fact that he wasn't accepted by some people. And you know what? Even if you're not accepted. Even if you're not forgiven, rest in the fact that God has forgiven you and don't let other people's rejection control your life assumption. Even if you can see your children still have certain issues with you, still pursue God and don't let it be an excuse for pursuing God, for not pursuing God. You see, it's so important to state because many men today will say, well, what's the point of trying if they can't see that I've changed? What's the point of trying? Okay, And I'm sure that those who didn't forgive Paul the Apostle were there. But you know what? You never hear him talking about it. You never hear him saying, I didn't actually pursue my calling because those people, they wouldn't have received me. No, he pursued his calling and he still loved the Jewish people. He would cry out to God on their behalf for their salvation. All right? So fathers, don't be proud Talk to your people and learn to right wrongs. And I'm challenging fathers today because it's Father's Day. So I'm challenging fathers today. But you know what? I know that there are wounds that mothers have caused. So if you're a mother today, you know what? And this is speaking to you. Hey, you know what? If the shoe fits, you can also wear it. But I'm focused on fathers today. And perhaps some of you who've been wounded by fathers. I've got a whole message on father wounds. Perhaps some of you who've been wounded by fathers. Maybe you need to say, Hey dad, in the same way that God no longer counts my sin against me, I no longer hold anything against you. Jesus was punished for your transgressions just as he was for mine. Who am I to hold them against you? I choose to let go and to release you dad. This doesn't mean that our relationship will be completely normal, but I want you to know that I'm no longer holding anything against you. It doesn't excuse what you did to me, what you did to us. But I can no longer keep poisoning myself by carrying this burden. Maybe for some of you, that's what you need to be saying to your fathers. I want to encourage you today, if you're a father and you're bound by any of these fears that I've mentioned, the fear of failing to provide, the fear of being insignificant or irrelevant in the lives of your children, or even the fear that they will never forgive me. If you're bound by them, there's a place of freedom. Renew your mind and find sufficiency in Christ Jesus. And if you're in a place where you haven't released your father, if you're in a place where you're still holding things against that father, forgive them, whether they're asking for the forgiveness or not. Do it for your own sake. I want to encourage you. Minister to your fathers today and other days if you have the opportunity. Some of you have got fathers that have passed on, but you're still holding things against them. Just release them, just release them and enable fathers to overcome these fears. Remember, family is a place of restoration. Some wives have been called to restore. Some children have been called to that restoration process. Healing takes place in community. I encourage you, be a healer today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message and thank you for those who've heard it. I thank you for restoration of our family lives and in particular today, restoration from these fears that have bound many fathers. And I thank you for that liberty that comes as we put our trust in you. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.